and welcome back to Going Through the Motions with me, Callum. Hello, and me, Alex. How's it going? I said hello before. You did, yeah. Alex, Do you want to start again? Or we just no, keep no, it? no. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep that. Cool. I'm okay, that's we'll, fine. we'll just chalk that down to one of life's fuck ups. Well, that. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that came off. That rolled off the tongue so neatly. I bet that you had that. You've heard that a few times in your life. I'll chalk <laughs> him down to one of life's <laughs> one of life's fuck ups. I get told that like daily. So we spoke briefly um, when you arrived, just about how our weeks have been going. You seem to have quite an action-packed week. You seem to have m- met a lot of uh, interesting people, probably better you explaining than me. Well, yeah, um, I was playing a gala concert in um, Westminster, raising money for Parkinson's UK. Nice. Yeah, it was very, very nice. We just played a lot of small classical pieces, like one after each other. There was about an hour and a half. And there were a few famous people there that I weren't, wasn't expecting. We had readings from people like Tim McKinnery, okay. who... Do you know what? It's either McKinnery or McInery. I, I Yeah, it's funny because I see it written down. I've never said it with confidence, that name. Yeah. I just call him Captain Darling. Yeah, I call him Captain just Darling. Darling. Oh, Darling's of, in this one. Of Blackadder fame mm-hmm. or Notting Hill fame. Notting Hill, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's Hill. actually in... Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, there's a really great British horror film called Severance. Have you ever seen Severance? Oh, it's I've heard of it. In, I've heard of it. It's like a retreat and it's set in like Serbia or somewhere like this. Um, I mean, the music's not like, oh, no, there, there is a really good version of We'll Meet Again at right. the end of it, the credits roll. Yeah. It's quite, quite funny. I think it's We'll Meet Again, music-wise. But it's also a really funny film. It's actually got, oh, I forget his name. He's dead set. He does the, he's the writer for Darren Brown. I forget his name. He's in, he's in the new series of ghost stories. Oh, it's going to it's gonna drive me out the wall. Anyway, I'll get back yeah. to that. I'm going to look at that up there. But anyway, keep going, about your, keep going about your night. No, I mean, that's, that's basically it. We had Penelope Winton, who was there. She played Sean's mum in Shaun of the Dead. Sure, yeah. Which is one of our favourite movies. Easy, we had a, easy. Yeah, it was one of our favourite movies. Um, so she did some readings. Uh, and also Dame Vanessa Redgrave as well, who's a very, very well-respected older English actress. Mm-hmm. She's incredible and they did Shakespeare they did um, Tim McKinnery read some original Stephen Fry which was oh. um, very very good and performed so well it was the story of Orpheus in the underworld oh so you know that story did Stephen Fry write it Stephen Fry wrote it I don't know okay. which book it's from or whatever I hadn't read too much probably Stephen one of his Fry. books yeah I imagine so because he said by Stephen Fry when he started reading I'm like oh I wonder who that's by <laughs> from Nigella's cookbook from Nigella's Nigella cookbook yes <laughs> It's so nowhere the guy, near sexy enough. So for the, that. Book, the, the film I was talking about before is just Andy Nyman, and he he appears in a lot of things. It's also got Toby Stevens from Die Another Day and Danny Dyer. You've never watched this. Danny film. Dyer. Highly encourage it. It's oh a great, my great days. horror movie. So uh, wait, wait, Danny Dyer or Danny Dyer? Which which Danny are we talking about here? Danny Dyer. Danny Dyer. From, yeah, from such film, lovable films as Football Factory. Yeah, but you know, you know, his daughter's also called Danny. Oh, Dyer. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> she was on Love Island. Wasn't yeah. she this year. Did you watch that? I kind of watched a bit of it. Did you really? I did, yeah. Did you? Oh, I guilty, really... guilty pleasure. Yeah, I stopped I watching it, it though. I stopped watching it though. Okay, good. Like, yeah, like a recovering Listen, addict. Yeah, look. Yeah, you got your chip, like, your got... token. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, 12 weeks sober. <laughs> so you had a good time at the concert then? Yeah, it was really good fun. I really love playing these kind of events. I mean, it is, it is work for me. Mm-hmm. So I do get paid to play in these, to, to play in these orchestras. Even though you know it is, it is for charity. But you've got to but... enjoy your job. Imagine doing a job when you didn't enjoy. 
joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do, I do absolutely love it. It's, um, it's really, really great. And again, you know, you turn up to these gigs and you don't know who you're going to meet. Yeah. Or who you're going to share a dressing room with. You, you, um, you did. I will. A peek behind the curtain here, listeners. We did have a little chat because Alex did meet a, a small hero of mine. You, do you want to talk a little bit about that? When oh, you which met one? Professor Brian Cox. Oh yeah, Professor Brian Cox. Yeah. Amazing, and and his chat was. Well, he was talking about black holes. <laughs> to you, you so, to me. So I will check out this picture of a black hole. You like, like, oh goodness! Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't pick out a picture. I, mean, what, I didn't did know what he was going to show me when he said that. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> and then I went, oh no, he's a physicist. It's probably a real black hole, not like a. Tonight we're going to learn about cosmology and and the study of stars. Oh, hey, hey, Brian Fox. Brian Fox. Brian Fox. <laughs> that's his, that's Who's his, Brian Fox? That's his nemesis brother, <laughs> Brian Fox. Nice. Well, that sounds like you've had a lot of fun. I have had the week from hell, um, actually. Well, it's not been that bad, but like, I don't get ill that much. And okay. I don't really get ill often. So when I do get Immune ill... Immune system like a brick wall. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think I just I just don't push myself really or challenge myself. I don't really eat many exotic foods and stuff. So I think, <laughs> it's, I think it's down to that. I don't think it's like my immune system that's really... Um, got its defenses up i think it's <laughs> i think it's i think it's just the so, lack of adventurism <laughs> on my half yeah you decided to push the boat out to like a, a not quite ripe enough mango or something that was like it that. yeah and yes. then that was you yeah just well in bed for so days i i had this um i basically it's more dental hygiene dental related so my wisdom teeth have been sort of coming through the last sort of couple of years ago i'm sure people maybe have had their wisdom tooth come through. Some people have had them extracted. And working with, the, with some of the guys I work with, um, in the nature of how of their jobs, it's more convenient just to have them extracted when they. Yeah. And so and and for for me, obviously that wasn't a, something that I that I did. And probably about March time, it started to hurt. It was sort of I could feel it growing a little bit. And you hear, you know, what if it comes in sideways? What if it comes in upside down? And then yeah. you have to have it removed, and that's a hell of a ordeal and a process. And I was a bit yeah. concerned. Um, and then it stopped until monday last so what was that the start of december just early december this year i uh i it started hurting again and uh, you know you do the normal thing you just ignore it and you hope that it goes away oh that's why I and do. yeah exactly because oh. i don't want to think anything about, like, anything health-wise oh, like it. oh it's just such a chore <laughs> i just i resent having to care you know, know healthcare know. healthcare and politics yeah i, I resent it. having to care i don't yeah, exactly and i uh so i was in I, I was in work and i was it was starting to hurt a little bit and i'm like just ignore it just ignore it and i kind of took my mind off it i was doing whatever um because i love my job and i uh i was doing this stuff and it just started to get really just really really painful and stuff and, and and it was only the second day one of my colleagues went saw it and they were like do you hurt and i was like yeah my whole face is falling off but i'm just ignoring it don't worry about it i'm just just <laughs> numb. and uh, but it was very very painful and i was struggling to sleep and my colleague said you have an infection right and i went oh god like i don't want to have an infection and uh but yeah so the whole side of my i've got a photo to show you oh, are you actually going to show me a photo yeah, of yeah, yeah, your infected you. face whilst they can you guys can listen to it you can describe what you can see here like, uh, one side of your face is much bigger than the other side of your face. <laughs> I look like a chipmunk. Yeah. Like I'm push. Imagine if you push your tongue to the inside of your cheek and push it out. That is what that I'm is. Doing. That is visible. Yeah, I know, right? That's visible. It's, it was, and it was really, really sore. It was really painful. And I, 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 after the second night of just struggling to sort of get to sleep and stuff, I decided to book myself. I got an emergency appointment, um, with a, with a dentist, and I'm now on 
these suckers here. Metro Nidazzly. Nice, nice. They're, they're supposed to be quite strong. They're fine. So I can't drink or anything on them. And we had a course dinner. It was so funny because we were in the, I was in the, sur the, the surgery and the doctor sort of said, a dentist, pardon, sort of said, I'm sure they're a doctor. God, that's a, I reckon that's a can of worms, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I reckon that's a doctor. You weren't 100% sure that the person prescribing the drugs was, a do was, was not a doctor. Where was not? this dentist? That, it was some back alley. Just like, yeah. The man with the gloves yeah. said... There were a lot of animals in there. Was that a telltale sign? <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> So he did this really funny thing. I thought you'd appreciate this because he basically said, so um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to prescribe this treatment. This, this, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get you to say it again, but this type of antibiotic. And I yeah. went, ooh, and this was a third, uh, this was where, Tuesday, I think. And I was going out for a big dinner on the Thursday with, with colleagues and stuff. And it was a big night out. And I kind of had that in the front of my mind. And I went, I'm really, really sorry. This is going to sound incredibly rude. And I know you've obviously prescribed this, but actually my night is more important than my health. Oh, and God. so no, I didn't actually say that. I said, <laughs> I said, um, just out of interest, can I drink on these antibiotics? And he said, uh, usually you, you can, with a lot of antibiotics, you can, this one, you cannot drink. And I was a little, I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. And he saw the look in my face and he went, do you want me to prescribe you one where you can drink on it? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, and I was like, no. And I had to think about myself. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, I would have to ask I myself... I bet you did have to think about it. I would have to ask myself some pretty searching questions if I decided to put my health to one side. To, yeah. to, to go, no, I'll just have to have a drink. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, Callum's half a side. Do you think we're uh, 10 minutes into the podcast, we should uh, start the podcast? <laughs> yeah, we, we should do that. Okay. Yeah, we should do This week on Going Through the Motions, Alex... Oh, don't say it. You're going to go first. No, no, no. I was, oh, I was oh, yeah. going to say this week you're going to go first. No, I am going first. So, I, I guess take it away. Okay, well, I'm going to start off with a question. Okay. Right. So, if somebody were to ask you, in this case it's me asking you, yeah. what do you think the greatest movie of all time is? And what, I mean, what I mean by that is not your favourite movie, but like how it was made, the writing, the acting, what you think objectively mm. is the best movie of all time um, what's your answer i mean i i do think the godfather maybe is the right answer uh another one for me hmm. so when you say right answers you expect everyone yeah, to have that answer i don't know i think there's i think there is a, a the right answer to that question i one flew over the cuckoo's nest also does it for me i think it's a really amazing story that's that's told in that one there it's a piece of i, I think the godfather i think yeah. the godfather though part one or part two Part one. Part oh, so one. You're, yeah. you're, you're in the part one camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Part that's one. quite divisive, isn't well, it? Well, I've seen it more. That's why. So it's a little more... I think I've only seen part two a handful of times, but yeah. I've seen part one quite and a lot. Listeners, do you want to know my dirty little secret? What's this filthy secret? I've not seen part two. Oh, you've not? I've seen part one. I've not oh. seen part two. <laughs> right, we need to sit and watch that together. We should. We will do a Godfather special, I think. Oh, yeah, that'd be we'll good. Do, we'll do, that'd we'll, be good. We're planning to do some specials, I think, for this, for this podcast, and I think that, that'll be one of them there. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, because other people say like Citizen Kane. See, I think that's quite a quite a snobby answer because I, because I from right. Okay, I tell you, I tell you what. The reason why I think that's a snobby answer is because I have realised in the past week that there are some films that are too high art that I it goes over my head. Right, and that is one of them. Okay. So, so you just can't get get on board. I just can't because I'm not clever enough to understand oh, it. Oh, not, don't sell yourself no, short, I'm, I'm just, mate. I, it's 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 not for me, and I understand why it's important and why it's an amazing film. And you know, Rosebud and 
and I, and I get I've I, I've had to look up the reasons what that means and why it is. I couldn't come to that conclusion to myself, yeah. and and I yeah I don't know. Anyway, right. Cut to the gist. My answer for this is the movie I'm going to be talking about today, which is Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah. For me, it's well I won't say it's the greatest film ever made because that's a, that's a bit of a that's a that's a sweeping statement, mm. but. It's definitely up there for me, even though it's not my it's not my favorite movie mm-hmm. of all of all time. It's not one that I watch, you know, religiously every year. Sure. I watch it maybe once every couple of years or so. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, actually when you when you sit and think about it, you, you you kind of I feel like a lot of people think that they rewatch certain movies over and over again, but actually if you sit down and actually think about how often you actually watch movies now as somebody in your, you know, mid twenties. Sure, yeah, yeah. Is it, it more than it, once or twice yeah. once a, once a year? I, like, guess. I don't think it is. I, yeah, even something even something like Lord of the Rings, like You watch that an awful lot. Well, I mean, I, I I definitely watch it more than You're most. Watch, he's currently watching it as we're talking right now. He's just got it on his phone in the background. He's constantly streaming. He's just a loop. Constantly streaming. In his glasses, he's yes. got it on one of the sides. He's like, oh, are you shall not pass? That's a banging scene. Yeah, there. yeah, that's what it is. No, but he's got to the point where he doesn't even comment on it. It's just so part of his daily day routine. So Absolutely. Can you, can you pause that, please? Thank you. Nice. Yeah, Keep going. very good. Okay, now I can concentrate. Uh, <laughs> no, but even Lord of the Rings... I don't think I watch that more than twice a year. And I think that's a lot. Sure. Okay. I mean, what do you think? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess so. I guess, yeah, that's that's, pro- that's probably normal. I, 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 I actively try not to rewatch movies again unless I, I'm doing it for a reason or showing it to someone. Really? Yeah. So you don't even have some movies There's that you just There's just so like many movies that I've not seen. There's yeah. so many movies that I've not seen, and, and it's so you prefer movie. seeing new movies. Yeah, than... I, I, I tr- I'd, I'd like to try and do it so I can be insufferable and tell people about new movies that I've seen, mm. and then move on to the next thing. There, and one of those. So that's quite a good seg- that that's quite a good segue actually, because Once Upon a Time in the West was for you a new movie, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'd not actually sat down and watched this movie from start to finish. So, ten second review. What do you think? <sighs> Look, I think it's a really interesting story that it tells. And I think that there's some really amazing characters. The scenery is beautiful and the music is just amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, absolutely amazing. What do you think? Top top 10 soundtracks of all time? I, on, honestly, I, I genuinely think it is in the top 10 soundtracks of all time. I think it's 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 a classic spaghetti western. Morricone just, he just knows what he's doing. He's so in control. And I think that for a lot of the scenes, if it wasn't for Morricone's control of the scene that he had and writing the, the piece of music and the score music and we can talk in a little about I've, I've made some notes myself from yeah. watching it there i think that actually some of the scenes would struggle to be as impactful if it was not for him specifically and his music yeah i think the the, the bar scene is the one that that springs to mind yeah because that's a long scene and, and maybe you, you'll talk a little bit about it um yeah. that's a yeah that, that is that the one where they're auctioning off the farm no, 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 no. That's uh, I'm talking about near the beginning when they all walk into the the the, the bar, and I, I'm I'm trying to think if there's a good loophole into this. I think it's where you first hear the harmonica. Being oh yeah, played. yeah. You're first in, introduced the harmonica. Yeah. Well, well, before we before we get to that, mm-hmm. should we talk about some points? Okay, go for it. Yeah, because again, one of the reasons, and you hit on this, that I think this is one of the greatest movies of all time is because it is definitely one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. But what's very interesting is 
that it starts with absolute silence. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. It starts with absolute silence. Mm -hmm. The first scene, the first thing that you experience is three... Is it three? Yeah, it's three. It's three, it's three bandits mm -hmm. waiting at a train station. And you're seeing this movie for the first time and you hear you hear like the groaning of like a wind mm. turbine or yes, something like that. Yes, yes. And it just and it's quite a long scene, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And you don't really know what's going on. And there are two audible things that are happening. There's there's the there's a groaning of a of a wind chime and there's a fly. Yes. Now the whole fly thing. Now I've got a, so he. I recognise this actor. It's Jack Elam. Oh right. And Go he on, is from my most favourite episode of the Twilight Zone. And it, I was racking my brains trying to think where he comes from. Interesting. Yeah. He's he's from an episode of the Twilight Zone called the Real Mar. Uh, Will the Real Martian please stand up? And it was season two, episode twenty eight. Right. He wow, plays very this. Specific. Yeah. He plays this. <laughs> he plays the kind of the red herring. One of them in this gas town stop is yeah. is a, is, a, is an alien, and and he's yeah. he's great in that, and that's yeah. where he's from. But he's the fly guy in this. Yeah. But other than that, there's no dialogue, is there? No. Three bandits enter wearing those iconic dusters. Mm. How iconic are those dusters? Yeah, and they talk about the dusters, don't they? It's later a it's a film. big it's a big like plot point. The dusters. Mm. Um. But. They come in, like other people like run away basically because they're they're like oh this is trouble mm. type thing. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And then, what I really like is it really paints the picture of like the the heat because mm. they're they they go and sit down in this like rocking chair and he just like you know goes to have a nap and you're like what are they what are they doing what yeah. what what are they there for? Yeah, I, it, it, it's it's a very mysterious start, and I it, and what it doesn't do is it doesn't initially it, it then doesn't instantly sorry tell you why they were there in the second scene or the third scene. It builds up to it almost, yeah, and, and it kind of backtracks. I think yeah, that's it is a great start, and yeah. it got me and again on board. And again, no music, mm -hmm. no music happens even even right up until. A man gets off the train mm. and then he kills all three bandits. That's it, yeah. In like a great Western moment. Like how I if you want like iconic Western scenes, it's it's three bandits with dusters on one side of a railroad track and one guy with a suitcase. That's it, yeah, suitcase. And one yeah. guy and one guy with a suitcase mm -hmm. just got off the train and the guy with a suitcase kills three guys in a in a heartbeat. In a in yeah. a heartbeat like that. And you're like and for me, when I first saw that scene, I was, I was invested in the movie. Yeah, I think right from then. And, and and I think you said it as well there because the movie is some scenes are very long and very drawn out, and then some action things just happen so quickly yeah. you can't believe. And it and it just emphasizes the deadly environment that everyone is working yeah. and operating, living in. Yeah, do you know? And, and and it's and that's why there's there's a real palpable tension for every yeah. scene is because things can change so quickly yeah um yeah so sorry keep going what yeah so i mean first first of all great opening scene mm -hmm. that um i'm i'm in then and then it cuts out and we get into the story and we're introduced to one of the main characters jill mm -hmm. yes and one of the things i really love about this movie is it's essentially a cinematic opera yes right Every character has their own theme or motif mm -hmm. and they're all, and it's not just like an orchestra that plays them. There's different combinations of instruments and certain iconic instruments mm -hmm. that play 
each person's theme. Mm-hmm. Main character, Charles Bronson's character, mm-hmm. who we'll just call the man. Well, he's, because he's harmonica is what he's known as. On, yeah. On, yeah. Well, everyone man, everyone yeah. calls him harmonica because nobody knows his name. Sure. Okay. But as his as his name would suggest, he goes around not saying a lot, and he plays a harmonica, mm-hmm. and so you get this really chromatic kind of really eerie kind of yeah like it's it's not a pretty sound no i know and you learn about the harmonica and what that means after and i and i love that yes it's not just a musical point to his character it's actually a story it's actually a plot point you're right yeah it's actually a plot point which doesn't get paid off until right at the end of the movie but we'll get to but we'll get to that because Mm -hmm. it ties in with our main baddie Frank. Frank, yes. Frank, who actually, his theme is pretty much the big sweeping orchestral melody. Mm. It's like... That bit. And it, com- and it comes up throughout the movie in different guises and different instrumentations that like change depending on what the scene is. And so he gets like a more fleshed out theme than he, our main hero because I feel like we f- we we know more about his character mm, and his background than mm, we do the heroes because mm, we don't actually know who the hero is until right at the end. That's right. Yeah, and and I, as well, you, you're saying the whole fleshed out themes. I mean, he had the full operatic almost come for him in the first yeah. scenes, and that is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the music stands out. For yeah. some of those full operatic scenes yeah. there. One thing I, one thing that made me laugh when I was watching this and I wrote it down was obviously a lot of it was, a lot of the uh, actors are Italian. Yeah. And there's a lot of Italian there and there's a lot of dubbing. And yeah. some of the dubbing is great. And some of the dubbing is absolutely atrocious. <laughs> I was laughing. I, I, made a, I made a note there with, with Patrick. So he was the son of the boy who's killed at the, the start. So we, we, we're obviously well into spoilers and stuff. So the... The, the family are killed at the start by Frank and his gang. Yeah. And when uh, the boy Patrick is summoned, there's this little ginger kid who comes out and he's like, what's up, pa? And his whole face is just completely still. And they just yeah. went, just throw it in. No one's going to no one's gonna fucking notice yeah. it. He just, oh, trouble at the old mill. And his face is just, bl- they've got the zoomed in on yeah. his face. Yeah. And there's just nothing moving in his lips, but they've just got audio in the background. Yeah. This American kid's voice. Yeah. And, and so did you, I hope you felt sufficiently... <laughs> I hope you felt sufficiently terrible about finding this comedic considering about 30 seconds later the whole family gets butchered by bandits. But they have a good system. They've gotten a good intruder alarm. Those crickets. Yeah. I, I wonder how it took them to train the crickets but, to do that. Yeah, but again, audio-wise, like the audio of that moment, it's amazing you brought up, brought up the crickets yeah. because yeah. The, just down, yeah. the crickets stopping, right? How much were you... Did, did you get... Were you like... Oh yeah. God! Something's, yeah, yeah, something's yeah. about to happen. Yeah. And then again, no music. Even when the gunfire happens, mm-hmm. it's just the gunfire. Again, no music. And then, and the first music is when met a whole gang of men with dusters come onto this come onto the scene. And do you remember the music that plays at that? I bit? do. I wrote it down. I love the scene where the gang comes onto the screen and they come in almost in a sort of V formation. Yeah. With Frank at the front, and it's so beautiful that it's just yeah, a yeah. swelling piece of music yeah but what what's re- yes swelling and really orchestral but the main melody was played by a really twangy electric guitar oh, with it? distortion it's like down oh, down right down. Cool. 
Nice. Yeah. So, and, and, and also often out of tune on some notes and that really helps create tension and it makes you feel unsettled. Oh, okay. But what's really telling about the fact that it was about the choice of music in that mm-hmm. is the fact that it's Frank's music. Mm. It's the music of the of the main baddie mm. but but at that point in the story who does everyone think that actually did the butchering Bron- what was it bronson no 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 uh, well bronson was harmonica okay okay cheyenne oh of course cheyenne the so, other character yes, so yeah. Sh- cheyenne is again a bandit he's an outlaw and he's kind of played he's Almost like comic relief in this movie, isn't he? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, he, well, his is it his instruments, the banjo? Is yeah, it? yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got this really twangy kind of, and also it's got horse clippity clopping. Yeah, it, it sort of plods along. Yeah. So my, the first time that this song plays, Cheyenne's song plays, I think he's on the roof of the train. Yeah. And it's there's a piece of music, and it's called Sul Teto del Treno, and I yeah. wrote that down, and that directly translates to on the roof of the train yeah. and I wrote it down and I went it's brilliant because you know as you say the banjo comes in and there's the clipping and the clopping and yeah. it's actually it's great and it caught my attention and instantly. it is quite comedic mm. and again this plays in back into what I said about this being a cinematic opera in that like you've got different characters and very assigned roles telling almost like a fairy tale which is why I think it, the movie's called Once Upon a Time in the West anyway Yeah, you know instantly as soon as his theme plays yes. that he's not really the baddie even though the even though the story is trying to tell you that it was his gang that did the murdering and all that, even though it was Frank pretending to be Cheyenne's gang. Yes, yes, yes. But I, I, you know, as soon as as soon as you hear ding 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 well, they, well, they ding 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 ding, yeah, you're like, the real baddie doesn't have a theme like that. But they that's also way too played jovial. it. They also played it when harmonica during the auction scene. When harmonica comes down the stairs after after calling five grand five thousand, yeah. they play it when he comes down the stairs. Yeah, um, which is and 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 because I've been so far away from the previous time they played it on the train, I re I I'd forgotten that I listened to it and liked it, and I went, oh, that's a good song, and I listened back and I was like, oh, it's the same song because yeah. they repeat a lot of these motifs throughout again. I mean, and it's well, again, it just depends on who's who's on screen at mm, what time mm. and what they're doing. So, because Cheyenne's there as well. Oh, okay. Right, Cheyenne's yeah, bidding on the farm. Of course, of course. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. Some of the quotes are really good in this movie. Yeah. I really picked up. I, I, um, the one that I, uh, I really liked. Frank said, uh, one of Frank's quotes was, "How can you trust a man who wears a belt and suspenders?" The man and doesn't even trust his own pants. That's it. That's what a it. line! I love that line. And, and he, I, and he twings the suspenders as well. And I love it because great. because I. Um, I've I now and again uh, wear suspenders because I, I think they make me look good, but I look like an absolute fucking <laughs> idiot in them. But I st- that's not going to stop me from wearing these things, and I'll wear them. But I make a note. Uh, of you taking, do what you want. I, <laughs> you <laughs> take what a, want. I make a note of t- taking my belt off because I think I don't, I don't look like a fucking idiot. It's like when the first time, you, so when you wear waistcoats, you're not supposed to do the bottom button up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the first the first time someone told me that. I mean, I had worn waistcoats multiple times in my life, and I think, what an absolute arse I must have looked through that. I think you can forgive yourself for that. I feel like more people than not don't know about the bottom button thing. The bottom button thing. Isn't also, do you know with... why? Yeah, isn't it because there was a fat king or something like this, and he couldn't get it done up, and so everyone did it because he couldn't do it, so no one else I did don't it. know if that's right, but it sounds right, so yeah, I'm okay. going to go with it. We'll go with fat king story. From... Yeah, let's go with fat king. <laughs> no, no year. Yeah. No country. Yeah. I think it was like Spain. I don't I'm going to say Denmark. Fat Spain king 
Fat Spain King from the year, what, 1600? Nah, two. Two. The year two, Fat Spain King, zero two, no button. Yeah, Amazing. that's the one. I loved it, but I did love the suspender scene. Uh, yeah. There is an and there is another phrase. Uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. It's yeah. not as as good there, but I'll, I'll let yeah. you keep going. Sorry. I'm yeah. Well, I mean, do. we've talked a lot about about how the characters have their own themes and everything. But the other thing I really really love about this movie is it does a really great job of of the setting mm-hmm. of like scoring the setting of the movie as well. Because right at the beginning, when Jill gets off the train, mm-hmm. and do you remember the panning shot? The the panning shot from the station up above it goes the the camera moves above above the station house and it just shows the town town behind it and then the frontier behind it with it's a famous national park in america i can't remember what it's called but it's got really famous like national park one it's one of them somebody can (laughs) somebody could tell me which one it is but and you just see the endless like western frontier behind it yes and and the music is like the swelling. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it just, and you're just like, oh, fantastic. Mm. And it really sets the scene for the story. Mm-hmm. But there's other examples of like really great setting. Like I was really taken by one of the bar scenes where they have like honky tonk piano. Yeah, and it yeah. really reminded me of and i'm like oh this is cantina band from star wars before star wars nice this is like hero enters and then you have music of the setting you've got a band in the corner playing cantina music Mm -hmm. yeah just like and the and the film spends a good amount of time in the scene yes so the characters aren't just going in and sitting down and progressing the plot the 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 camera is moving through different people and showing people drinking and gambling mm-hmm. and all the other tropes of westerns in canteens. Well, you're kind of getting a, a day in the life, really, aren't yeah. you? And it's and it's you know it's. Interesting. But I really I really appreciate that. It's immersive, and I can see. You know, we draw back ties. You did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last week, and obviously the yeah, link is the Once hands Upon up, a Time. Hands up who spotted the tenuous <laughs> link. But, 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 it's, but it is amazing because whilst they're both Once Upon a Time in, Once Upon a Time in is doing the job because it's telling the story and it's immersing you in there. Yeah. So both of those films have earned the right to start with Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Because of that reason. And yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that that's a really great scene that you, you picked up on. It's definitely one that, that, per, that you know, I definitely picked up and went oh wow this is really quite immer- like quite an immersive scene yeah, yeah, yeah. and i feel like i'm being taken through this uh th- this ride and i i think that this is one of the, the rare examples where actually it the film i did it no it did itself no justice well i did it no justice by watching it on the small screen where imagine watching this on the big screen coming oh, out i mean incredible. that would have been a real with a with a live orchestra i think Ooh. that that would be a beautiful a be- i think that's what i, I should... mean we've been to a few live films with mm-hmm. concerts um would you be interested in going to a once more time in i the would West? i would i would go and see this like, i would i would here's the thing right and, and before we sort of sort of wrap wrap this sort of segment up and we finished off with this look i didn't not enjoy this movie i i have my thoughts on this movie which was that again we we talked a bit about citizen kane this movie i didn't i i think this is the line in the sand where i went i think that cinema has moved on so much 
that you can do the job of telling the story with a movie and it doesn't need to be these long drawn out scenes where there are everyone characters staring at each other. There's a lot of in-depth staring. And I, I did, I don't want to say boring because it wasn't, but it was, it, it was just kind of like, I went, I, here's my thing. You think it's a relic? My, a little bit. I think <laughs> it's a piece of beautiful art and I respect it for what it does. The music is sensational. I mean, absolutely amazing. Like I said, I would definitely watch it again with a live orchestra. Yeah. Now you may, you may disagree with me on this because I know you absolutely love Ennio Morricone, but this is my favorite Ennio Morricone score. This is for me the best one. I suspect that you've got a different answer for this. Uh, Ecstasy of Gold tops yeah, it for me. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the most beautiful piece. I completely forget which one that one's from. It's um, it's it's a it's a Sergio Leone one. I need to yeah. I need to go back and read this. I, in fact, I'm not even going to edit this and write in the right answer because at the top of my head, I can't tell you which one they are because yeah. there is such a plent there's such a plentiful amount that we could have chosen. Yeah. But the piece of music, Ecstasy of Gold specifically, but it is very similar to Ecstasy yeah. of Gold, the full Frank's theme yeah. in this piece. I, no, I did. I struggled with this movie. I did struggle through watching it again because it is just so fucking old. Like yeah. it is so old, and it's an old piece of art. But movies nowadays, I think that this couldn't be released today. Yeah, you couldn't do this today. And if you did, if you know, as Hollywood's inclined to do, remake this and do their own take on oh, this. Oh God, could which, you imagine? Well, I, and I think it is only a matter of time before the spaghetti westerns have their second runaround. I really, I really do. I think Sergio Leone's work actually lends itself to te- retelling these fantastic tr- amazing That's interesting stories. actually they haven't really tried doing no. westerns again Well they? no well they have so True Grit was a really great example the Coen brothers have dipped their toe in a couple of times the new True Grit I would argue is actually better than the old one right. but the, I think um, and we can talk about that another time I, I quite like to get into that movie I really enjoyed that one actually but the, these ones are movies that have not really been tampered with not been touched again and there's an element of uh, leave it alone it, it, it's kind of that's what makes me feel of it it's more like finding a beautiful fossil and rather than digging it up out the ground you just barricade it off so people can come and see it as opposed to taking it on tour around the world okay it's a museum piece museum piece yeah i think yeah. and i and and i think that's what it is and i was tra- i was chatting with a friend about this who because i mentioned that we were talking about this on the show and i sort of gave this to him and he went look i've not seen the movie myself i've seen a lot of it you've seen the good the bad and the ugly and fistful of dollars a few dollars more yeah. And he knows what I meant. Like he was like, yeah. and I and I'm not gonna rush to see this movie. Yeah. But my theory was this sounds so rude. Like this this is this is like Oh this god, is, do I need to me. do I need to sit this, down? No, for this. no, it's not that bad. <laughs> but it's like I was just thinking to myself, like, I could watch this movie on times 0.25 like i could watch this movie oh, a little bit and, no. and just a little bit fast forward because i'm like we're staring at each other so much just move on it's <laughs> in, it's interesting that you mentioned like the staring though because to wrap this segment up i'm going to talk about like the last or the next to last mm-hmm. scene in the movie which is the duel Yes, that the, I really enjoyed that. I mean, how great is that? And Joel? the flashback that obviously then fills so the audience throughout, in. So throughout the movie, you get the tiniest bits of flashback. The first one is basically just a blurry man in the dis- in the, in the distance of like a heat haze or something like that. It's really vague. Yes. And then throughout the movie, he gets the closer. man becomes closer and closer and closer. Throughout the movie, you're wondering who's the guy with the harmonica. And what is it with the harmonica is such a feature. And it's not until the final duel in the last five minutes of the movie that you discover that the harmonica was Frank's. Mm. And he put it in 
Bronson's mate. Charles Bronson's mate. A younger version of Charles mm-hmm. Bronson because it's a flashback. What is it? It was and, dad, wasn't it? Uh, no, his brother. It's his brother. His, his okay. older brother was standing on his shoulders with a noose around his neck. Yeah. With such a striking shot. Yeah, this really big is. stone arch in, in, again, the Western mm. wilderness. Yeah. Hanging by his neck from a bell with his younger brother propping him up underneath yeah. and so basically the the punchline as it were is frank killed his brother and he's out for revenge and the and the harmonica acts acts as this MacGuffin of destiny mm. throughout the movie mm-hmm. and the harmonica man <laughs> yeah. uh, what a great description sing us a song your <laughs> harmonica man <laughs> That's, that's the end credits as the scene rolls <laughs> oh god that'd be terrible and because like, he's so sure he is, he is so sure he is so sure of his purpose throughout the whole movie but you don't know what his purpose is mm-hmm. and and Frank and you know who's going to win this duel before it happens mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know who's going to win this duel before it happens they're circling each other and again you get Frank's theme with the epic yeah, electric yeah, guitar yeah, yeah. down yeah, bam, yeah, yeah. Bam, and soaring strings you're like this is the climax of the movie and it's climactic mute and you get these extended shots of the two men staring at each other charles bronson is about to get his revenge frank still doesn't know who he is that's right yeah and then at and then after charles bronson inevitably kills him because you mm-hmm. know he's gonna win james fonda looks really weird as young frank henry fonda henry fonda is james is it james fonda i thought it was james fonda. henry fonda is it henry fonda henry oh okay. fonda, he looks yeah. really weird as uh as a, as a as a young man you know that scene where he's walking towards yeah they've done something to his face in that scene do you I know think, what it is i think it's just a lot of makeup is it really yeah and may- maybe <laughs> some, make- maybe some like blue eye, le- eye lenses or something de-aging before de-aging de-aging in the yeah, yeah, Henry Fonda. Sorry, I got Frank Fonda. Frank, I don't know where I got Henry. Frank. Oh, he plays Frank, obviously. Yeah, he so plays Frank. Yeah. Of course, that's it is Henry Fonda. Yeah, yeah, just a bit of confusion there. Nice, but yeah, and then he and then he asks, as he's dying in the dust, "Who are you?" And he, the and harmonica doesn't say anything. He just puts the harmonica in the in his mouth and. Oh shut! Oh, that was that was so anticlimactic. No, shut up. No, that's plenty. That is absolutely plenty. Yeah, yeah. Sleep it. No, no, that's plenty. No, it's plenty. Stop it. He was gonna put it in his mouth again. Right, I'm taking it away. I'm taking it away. Right. I'm taking it away. Piano man, but I had it upside down. I put it in my mouth this whole time. He was looking so excited about doing it. I didn't know what he was going to play. I was hoping that he was going to try and emulate the sound that actually comes out of the harmonica in the movie. I was trying to do piano man and I but no. Oh, we don't to sit Oh, my days. But that was good. That's a nice, that's a nice way yeah, to end it. Yeah, we're keeping that in. We're keeping that in. No, but just the final point, though, of the sound that comes out of the harmonica as Frank's dying is like this really cringy kind of yeah it's like a rasp isn't it it's a rasp and a harmonica and that's it i mean and then you get like this epilogue of you know where the characters have ended up and you know yada 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 but that's basically the end of the movie yeah and i just find it so satisfying and musically one of the most interesting movies that i've that i've ever seen 
it leans on it, it leans on the music. I can see why you enjoy it because it leans on the music more than any movie I've ever watched. It, the music elevates it to new height. You know how mm-hmm. George Lucas has always said that the special sauce of Star Wars is John Williams, and yes. Star Wars would not be Star Wars without yes. John Williams. I think the same is true for this movie. I think. I think for spaghetti westerns for spaghetti westerns definitely yeah but i think for this movie in particular maybe it could be argued that the the story and like the filming and the actual movie is not quite as good as maybe good the bad and the ugly for mm-hmm. example i know mm-hmm. a lot of people say that that's the the greatest spaghetti yeah. western of all time but i think that the combination of this absolutely amazing music mm-hmm. really does elevate it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Anything else? No, that's me. Nice. That's me. I feel very satisfied. Yeah. It's like when you talk about something you love, that you yeah. love, it, it's like this cathartic weight off your chest. I you can just tell, want to sit I can down tell and be this. like, oh, it's I lovely. Want, I didn't want to tell you that I didn't like this movie as much as I wanted you to. Because I was a bit worried because you do love this movie so much. Yeah. The music alone, as I've said, that is what elevates this. I think this is getting a one thumbs up for our, our one thumbs up. Oh yeah, the thumbs up. Because, we, because we're committed to that. I was thinking about this. I was thinking, whilst I was watching this, I'm going, oh, the second thumb hasn't emerged at any point in this movie. And then when it finished, I went, oh, I can't give him a second thumbs up. And he's going to really upset uh... with me. But I, yeah, I, 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 I think that it's the movie itself. And I think it's just moved on. I do think it's a little bit... Yeah, a relic of the past. I do think yeah. it is. Uh, so what you're saying is you probably wouldn't watch it again. Um, well, no, as I maybe said... Maybe under special circumstances. Special circumstances. So on the big screen with maybe a live orchestra, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, would, yeah I would that would be very would special. See that. that would be very special. Cool. What have you brought? So this week, I have tenuously linked... From Drive, which we did last week, yeah, I've decided to continue the driving theme, as it were, and I have gone for George Miller's continuation to the Mad Max trilogy, 2015's Mad Max Fury Road. Because we love cars, yeah. I honestly, like, we are not big car people. Like I'm an engineer, and I'm, you know, I said, I'm 27. This... I've never learned to drive. <laughs> Make, Could you imagine make you? what you will Could you that? imagine you in a Mad Max film? Everyone's like, and the drums beating and everything's going on, and you're just like, just this, do I? Which pedal is it? No, just you just tell me once. Just tell me once. Nobody's doing ten just, to two. T- Nobody's doing it. <laughs> Click into gear. You didn't check your blind spots, Furiosa. Not a wing mirror in sight in this movie. <laughs> no, there was, there was. You saw, really? Yeah, you saw Furiosa's oh. face in the mirror quite a lot. Oh, yeah, you're right. She has to look, right. to look back oh, on the, the truck. people that are... Che- yeah, the truck. the truck, truck yeah. The truck, yeah. She shows how much you know. Nobody's using the mirrors. There's plenty of mirror action. Okay, rear view mirrors then. <laughs> Maybe they have wing mirrors, you but not... You a rear view no. mirror in a big truck. It's just got a big... Oh, aye, of course. Okay, so... Right, very good. So, very clean. So yeah, so George Miller's movie. Um, and basically, as you said, this this movie absolutely combines my love of great action movies, incredible scores, and amazing engineering. Now, I've, You're 100% right. It, it, do, it does those things, just beautifully moulds them together. There's a really interesting video, and I'm not going to go into it. Definitely check it out on YouTube, the making of this. George Miller talks about all the different cars that he used and how they made them, you know, like... Turn, making these big V8, V12 engines. Every engine that you see is the real engine. So with Max's 
uh, car. It is the that is the engine that you see starting up. Yeah, and it's it's absolutely amazing. So the soundtrack and the score is uh, from Tom Holkenberg, aka Junkie XL, who started life as a DJ. I absolutely love this guy. Yeah, he is I amazing. I absolutely love this. Got guy. his record deal in the nineties. He's been DJing since the seventies and through yeah. the eighties. Now um, I've not heard any of his like non-film music stuff, mm-hmm. but he's done some of my favorite scores in recent years including batman versus superman yes which actually say what you want about that film Mm -hmm. listeners write in and say what you want about that film because i don't care i i really have a soft spot for batman versus (laughs) superman and specifically the score i mean we won't go into it we've got our own soft spots for those dc movies because i Justice League, we can't. That's oh, we inexcusable. We that shouldn't we can't even mention that thing. movie on I this like podcast. I like Suicide Squad as well. I've got oh, such a soft spot for that one. We could, we, we could do the DC movies one day. That'd be a hilarious We could do one. that as a special. Let's do that for April Fool's Day. That'd be, yeah, <laughs> Let's do one. that for April Record Fool's Day. The, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Mad Max Fury Road actually won six Oscars, including sound editing and sound mixing. And when you know that it won the Oscars for these and you rewatch it, you know why it won those. Well, I was wanting, I was wanting it to like, cause I saw the movie before Oscar season mm-hmm. and I really wanted it to mm. win like those technical, I can't remember if I wanted it to win best original score. Um, cause I can't remember what else came out that year. I think year. it was the, the, um, The Force Awakens. To be fair, if there was a Star Wars score on there, <laughs> I think it was just John autom- automatically, yeah, I, I want that to, I want, I want, yeah. no, Williams didn't win it. Oh, he's not. He's only ever won one Oscar for Star Wars, and it was the first one. He's not oh, won an Oscar for Star Wars since. Okay. Because the Oscars have this weird rule about like no sequels and things like. I think they've they've updated it so you can win an Oscar for sequels mm-hmm. and stuff. It's because it's like. Oh really? It, I didn't know that. Yeah, because it leans on this on the same material. That's the same reason why Howard Shore didn't win an Oscar for the Two Towers, but he did for Fellowship and Return of the King. Oh. Because okay. they changed the rules that year for Return of the King. I'm assuming just so they could give. Howard Shore, the Oscar for Return of the King, which well deserved, I think, yes. would agree. Yeah, 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 completely, yeah, completely. But we'll talk about those movies another time as so well. So it wasn't, it was uh, Hateful Eight, I think it won it. Right, that okay. That year, I think, it wasn't even nominated, so it was, it was Hateful Eight. Well, which I, which, yeah. Back to Morricone, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's done us again. So again, yeah, I mean, so maybe not best original score, so not best original score, but like the sound editing, the... Um, the sound effects, the use of things like engines and it's dirty the and electric it's guitar and it's oh. The, oh, get onto that in a second. We'll get onto <laughs> that in a second. So basically, um, the 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 music starts. I think it's an amazing uh, piece when when we we see Max who has been captured. And I so I'm not going to talk about the, the Mel Gibson prequels he, or prequels, the original trilogy <laughs> prequels. Yeah. I suppose they're, they're different <laughs> movies set and um, made in a different I'm not, time. I'm not going to I'm not um, going to go into those as well. Yeah. I've, I've watched them a, a long time ago and I can't really remember them uh, off, off the top of my head. So Fury Road starts. He is captured and it's when he's escaping from the half the sort of halflings and yeah. he's jumping and he runs and he and he hooks himself onto the hook and that, that's an amazing piece of music but the, the first thing that the junkie XL does is is basically that when the war rig is being lowered when they realize that furiosa is not actually going to the bullet farm or to the uh, the, the oil that the fuel fields i forget yeah, the yeah, name yeah. Of it, to, to get resupplies oh, bullet, bullet town and I thought oil was, farm oil is farm it? sorry i forget the name of them but they they she is not going to these places like yeah. she, they, they they thought and they're keeping a track of her um, 
driving away and they think oh hang on a minute that she's not going where we want her to go yeah. let's get after her let's yeah, get yeah, let's yeah, get yeah. after her and immortal joe realizes his prize breeders are gone and he yeah, puts yeah. two and two together and gets after them and the war rig is lowered and the drums start beating and it's just so so it's such a pumped up it movie is isn't fantastic. it it's it's absolutely it's, it's absolutely amazing now before we go on and talk more about the music can i say i think furiosa is my favourite action hero. And I think that she is the star of this film, not Mad Max. I would agree. She is so good on this. Charlize Theron just absolutely delivers so much um, furiosity for Furiosa. And then <laughs> she's so delicate in some scenes and she's so angry and she just... She, her, you can see everything in her eyes. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. Her it's, it's the green eyes are just so vivid in this, yeah, yeah. and it's and she is just absolutely badass by far. You care so much about her, and I was you do you, you do, do yeah, yeah you do and 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 I remember um, thinking to myself they should have called this Furiosa Road, and I went oh yeah it's called Fury Road like that's our name is in the title there, uh, but she is absolutely amazing. So the, the, the first piece of music was Spiky Cars, and it's an amazing piece that builds tension from Immortal Joe's convoy when it catches up with Furiosa and the scavengers that are trying to intercept them. And, it, and it's this basically this, this, this um, gritty, dirty piece where you see these amazing machines on screens with spikes sticking out of them and all sorts, yeah, yeah. and buzz saws, and it just plays this... You know, you can you can hear the score and the the amazing swelling music, but you can also hear Junkie XL's contribution of like an almost like DJS sound soundtrack there's in the beat, background. There's a beat that yes. goes through the whole movie because I think if you read any review of this movie, watch any review of this movie on YouTube, and it'll say it's because uh, it's not a particularly long movie. It's like an hour forty yeah, or something long. like that. It's not that long, no. But it's like an hour forty long car chase. The yes. whole movie is a car yes, chase. Yes. And the score reflects that by having this driving <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> beat yep. throughout the whole thing. Just dun 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 dun. And like it just drives the whole movie and you feel tense watching it. It builds straight into Storm is Coming. Now, the, it, that is just the most dramatic piece of music when everyone's lost in the storm and the electricity of the, of the lightning, you know, it's like the yeah. sand, thunderstorm and stuff. It's, it's just, I, I couldn't get over how amazing this was. And I remember having this on full volume and just, my man is like, turn that down! Because like, it was just so loud. But I was like, you need to, I mean, I, I don't think I watched this in the cinema. I missed it. Oh, and I, I, and I, I saw I re- it in the cinema. I really regret it now because I, I'm watching this again. I'm just like, Oh my goodness! This is an absolutely epic, and then it just stops and it fades away, and then it, and, and and obviously then it picks up again where Max is is completely sand. I say waterlogged or buried under the sand and and and, and with Nux obviously tied yeah. tied to him. Um, so I think that I think that was it there. But you mentioned something else, which was the guitar. Oh so yes! I and I love the use of the guitar uh, because you can hear. Uh, Basically, this is the the sound of the war rigs on the horizon, and it's kind of like a low key in the background when you hear it in the background. But when it's first introduced, you see the war rig chasing after Furiosa, and it's like the it's like a war bagpipe or a horn, but yeah. for the future. Do you know what I mean? With the drums beating, and this guy's just absolutely cutting riffs on the guitar. This weird looking creature, gimp sort of thing, just it absolutely rocking it. away with a flamethrower at the end of it. And I'm just, and it's on a bungee and a string. In this documentary, they, they look into it and I, f- I forget the name of the, it's the, the Wolf Rider or something. Yeah. And you, and they, 
And George Miller just, he had this idea and I was looking at some really interesting concept art of how he imagined yeah. this to look. And it, the, this is one of the, this is one of the, the times where, um, the, the, um, how the George Miller imagined it was going to look. Yeah. You can see all these different artists' impressions, but what actually came was bigger than they could even imagine. Yeah. Like this is a huge beast of a truck. It's a symbol of how crazy this movie is. Yes. How mental this movie is. In the fact that like, okay, they're all it's it's all it's all a car chase. Yeah. But one of the vehicles is basically a rock stage on wheels. Yeah. It's got like how many amps yeah it's ridiculous it's sponsored ridiculous by moment. marshall or something I is it really is no it? I, I don't know if it's i would love for each of them to just have marshall you know what i kept thinking as well i was like who taught this guy the guitar like clearly he's he was there before this do you think he was no, like he's just as you said away in the he's just this somewhere? creature he's dun, 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 i don't think he has e, any e, eyes no yeah they probably he doesn't have any eyes he's basically just like this guy who's i did read about who the guitarist is the drum the the drums is going and his job is to just shred that guitar and he's gonna and he's gonna shred that guitar no matter what changes strings now and again he's like oh get someone's out of key someone's out of key what i would love that's it there no i would love to be guys i'm out of tune we've got to stop all the guitars, everyone check, everyone count down. But yeah, and the flamethrower, yeah, that's dangerous. Imagine that. I could be, imagine a flamethrower at the end of your violin. I think a lot of things in this movie are dangerous. <laughs> it is a very, it is a very... To say to say nothing of um, all the unsterilised needles that are... Oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 oh. all the, the tech and central, yeah. The, the, yeah the, oh. But no, as I said, and, and when you see... It, it builds in intention because when you can see the war rig on the horizon when they've outrun the war rig you can just hear the faint guitar in the background because yeah. it's obviously echoing across this you know this desolate landscape again dread you mm -hmm. get that perspective from um max and furiosa mm -hmm. like and you just hear the horde coming to coming towards them mm -hmm. and you feel what they would feel like oh shit yeah, we gotta get dread, going isn't it that's yeah, what it is we gotta, yeah. we gotta get going yeah yeah and that device and i really love that device in movies because again immersion when mm -hmm. you can feel what the characters are feeling mm. using things like music and war drums in the distance yeah then you feel what they feel and you get sold on it and it's one of the like points of a really great movie so junkie xl um basically so maybe do a little bit to say more about the story so furious is on the run she's she's not yep. gone to the book farm that she's being chased by immortal joe who wants yep. to take her back take the breeders back um they've gone into the storm as we've said before under the sand and basically they're they're now in a scene where um they're having to work together mad max is on board furious's convoy he's he's, he's caught up with them after his escape and they, the, I was listening to an excerpt Junkie XL had said about this, basically because he went on to say how he 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 worked some old school and he worked some new school was how was how he explained this soundtrack. So the the new school being um, almost the Hans Zimmer esque, like the loud in your face, constant full music. There you go. But then the old school section of every character has their own motif and every character has their own instrument. As yeah, we were talking classical about scoring. So to give you an example. The uh, Mad Max himself gets the cello and he gets the low hmm, 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 sort of like foghorn-esque cello, which represents him as this untamed just beast. That, that, that's his sort of 
piece of music that he that he sort of is. Yeah, is he's gifted not. He's with. not much of a character in this movie, is he? Like Sorry. he's. Yeah, so I wasn't gonna say anything, but I, but I leaned forward to grab my phone and I battered my Smack. shin off the coffee table. Oh, that was. So, I hit my elbow when I went. I, I gave the place a hoover this morning before you came, and I and I hit my funny bone off the door of the this where we keep our hoover, and then honestly, <laughs> I made this noise. I was like, ah! <laughs> it was so painful i get it i can imagine tolerance is out the window thanks to my tooth oh. i'm so happy that it's healed by the way before we started talking oh today yeah because it, oh, yeah. there was a time where i was like oh, 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 like john merrick oh, <laughs> i was saying oh yeah so furiosa yeah. furiosa um her she kind of has these swelling instruments and stuff and i'll get to her to her piece a little bit later so furiosa makes a deal and and basically they blow up um the canyon um, that's how her she gets past and she yeah. delivers fuel and that's that's their sort of thing with the yeah. story but it kind of goes wrong when they realise that the mortal chosen in, in pursuit and then the most amazing piece of music arguably the, the, the epic piece of music in this film Brothers in Arms plays right. where they, they have to fight they work together the two of them for the first time yeah. and that's you, you can really hear like the, the kind of the, the, like it's it's part of more of a DJ set than a score when it starts to go down this sort of there's these like almost techno music uh, beats that sort of start to play and before the strings start to do it and the high yeah, intensity yeah. starts to build absolutely absolutely love that one there and again I think what, what you've hit on like the general kind of um, function of the score in this whole movie is tension building mm, mm. Like to just keep your heart rate up it and is. to keep you on the edge of yes. your seat. It's a thrill ride. Yes, that that's yeah. It is a thrill ride. It's a thrill ride. Yeah. There's another piece of music called piece of music called "Moving On." Now, "Moving On" is the piece that's given to Nux and Capable, who's um, the kind of I wouldn't say love interest for Nux, but she's she's the one that kind of takes pity on uh, Nicholas Holt's character Nux. And, oh, yeah, and, yeah, and, he, yeah. and she finds him as a stowaway on the truck and he's quivering yeah. because he's great in this movie he is he? fantastic in this movie what a great role he plays and he do was not really remember good. him in about a boy I know I know uh, look, we, at we, we, oh, look at him now look at him now he's blockbusters nice. but it's that amazing scene where he goes I'm gonna get her I'm gonna stab this in her back and Immortal Joe goes no use this killer instead gives her like this beautiful chrome revolver and he sprays Nux up and he jumps on board he gets thrown yeah. on board and he starts to run and then his chain gets caught and he falls and the gun drops and he's like and what he, is just, he? he just instantly fucks it he says I completely <laughs> forget what he says and he's just like shame or something like that it's, it's amazing but then he's obviously he feels shame he feels that he's let Immortal Joe down and, and so when he finds it and moving on it's just a really nice piece and that is I believe Nux's piece of music yeah. And it's quite a nurturing and soulful almost piece of music that really kind of brings his character. Because he is a half-life and they obviously show he's one of the only characters that talks almost normally. You can hear him like he, he rationalises with other characters where yeah. Max grunts and groans and Furiosa, I'd imagine, probably can talk more and, and, and say she's how she's stoic. She can she? express herself, but yeah. she is stoic because she's just, I think she's the only one intelligent enough to understand what is going on and the, the threat that she is facing because she has decided to break these breeders out and take them yeah. on the run. Whereas Nux kind of, I think for a large part of it, the audience watches it through his point of view yeah. from this point onwards. Um, but a beautiful, beautiful piece of music until he names his tumours Larry and Barry because <laughs> he's drawn the faces on them on his neck and I was like, oh, that's rude, that scene. 
I laughed a little bit because it brought it out. I think you're supposed to. (laughs) Well, he just has these big lumps on his neck and he went, Larry and Barry. And and, And she went, who's Larry and Barry? And he went, look. (laughs) <laughs> got smiley faces on the shoulders. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah, oh. <laughs> I thought that was really great. Yeah. Um, then a tonal shift changes. Right. The, the bog, the oh. nighttime scenes. Now bef- we will start it's with just the guitar. Yeah, it? it's, it's and just, it's just like and, it's, and it starts Mingin. with the guitar, <laughs> and it's the ding 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 ding, and the sound editing and the that you can just hear it because they've obviously and the the mixing department have really just. As they've got closer to the war rig with the guitar, it turns up. Din, 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 din. When the war rig eventually comes to a stop because they yeah. realise that they're... The music grinds to a halt as the vehicle exactly, grinds to a exactly. halt. Exactly, and they pair it together so, so beautifully. The, the, the vehicles, in that sense, are almost like characters in their own well, that's right. It. And they... they Let's not beat about the bush. The vehicles are absolutely characters in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 way that they are and the well, engine. Each one is unique. Involved, they're so well. And as I said, I, I'm going to find if I if I can if, when I put this episode up, I'm going to link. I need to make a note to remind myself. There's an incredible documentary on they this. They built all of them. Yep, didn't they? every single one. Yeah. I mean, they had hundreds of cars for this set. It's amazing. Can you imagine filming that? Must oh, have been incredible. It, yeah. Well, but and, and think about it, they must have had to refilm it in some scenes, particularly the bog scene, and then cover the tracks up again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because they can't make it look... It's like whenever you see a snow sequence in a movie, you've got to think that they've had to do it again on fresh snow. Do you know what I mean? Well, in our first episode, we talked about... uh, We talked about uh, Singing in the Rain. Mm -hmm. And in the Singing in the Rain sequence, they had to like... They had to clear the set of all the rain from the previous set because they were just battering the set with water. Uh And obviously it's raining and stuff, but the the water builds up and they needed to drain it before they took the next take. So many of the explosions in Mad Max were one take explosions because they had the, we've got one shot at this, we're going to ram this car as as hard as we can into that fucking car there. And this camera needs to be filming. Think how many times they filmed... Um, the same explosion from multiple angles, and they so they had a they had a choice of which view they wanted to yeah, go yeah. at. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. some explosions are seen from a dash cam almost footage, yeah. and some are seen maybe overhead, some are seen from the side. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I love this there. But the bog, the bog piece of music, just to keep going, is is, is kind of the where where we're at there. So did you want to say something? You were gonna no no, no, no So no. the bog piece of music is is, is absolutely brilliant, and. That's where they all really start to work together. And he goes, oh, we could get the we can get the winter on that thing over there, the tree. Yeah, I'll get the winter on the tree thing. And you think, yeah. oh yeah, Nuts doesn't know what a tree is. None of them will know what a tree yeah. is. Because like you just take it, you know, take it for granted. And um, then the amazing thing, because the bullet farmer comes towards him with the light, because he's in the caterpillars, he can move over the bog, but yeah. the other cars can't because he's they've a got maniac, the maniac. And he's doesn't he have a bullet for a tooth? He has no, so he has bullets around him. He's it's basically his whole clothing. And then it plays Mesa de Requiem, right? Or as you know it as the Quidditch World Cup intro theme. <laughs> it plays. It intersects that. Okay. Absolute. Right. This is where I've got to interrupt, interrupt. You Go for it. And Go for it. Like start being a bit of a nerd. Do right? it. Do it. Yeah. Because what you say? What did you say? Mesa de I Requiem. I said Mesa de Requiem. But do you that's... know what that? Do you know what that means? No. What does that mean? So it's a re- a requiem mass, which means a mass for the dead. A mass, obviously, being uh, um a Christian, a Catholic uh, service. Yes. Uh, mass. And, you know, like going to mass. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So a mass for the dead is like a funeral mass, right? Sure. The movement that they play in that is the second movement from Verdi's um, 
Requiem, Requiem Mass. Okay. And the title of that track is Dies Irae, okay. which is Latin for Wrath of God. Oh. Now, how does that knowledge change your perception of that scene? Yeah, that means it's that, yeah, because he is the one, he, he's the one who's basically coming towards you and goes, I am your reckoning coming towards you. Fool's play. He says that. He, he says that in the dialogue. Yeah. He, he's like, I'm the bringer of death or whatever. Uh-huh. And the music and the music playing in the background and the words that are being sung are Wrath of God, yeah. Day of Judgment, this really and he's got the two guns in the air and he's yeah. firing up and it's played almost for almost for laughs yes because it's it's almost ironic and it, it, it's weird but as i said i know the context behind the real piece of classical music right, there I see. and how that plays in the scene i really really appreciated it even though it's the only piece of music in the whole movie that's not original score and that makes sense why they used it now that you've explained that. And obviously with the bullet, par- bullet farmer yeah. saying what he says. And, and also- it's really effective because I've actually, I have actually sung that piece. I've really? sung that piece in concert. Go like, on, give us a and, no, it was, <laughs> no, it was, it was in, it was in the first year of my undergraduate and the first years of undergrad where I went um, didn't play in the orchestra, which is where I wanted to be. They sang in the choir. Oh, really? Choir. And where I, and I stood. I wouldn't even know where to begin with and that. I, and I stood. <laughs> And I, I remember it very clearly. I was stood in the front row, um, right above the bass drum, right? Okay. And in this in in this uh, movement in the piece, like the strings do this like mad scale down where it goes and then you get these offbeat bass drums. Do bang do bang do and because I was standing, we should do yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we should do that. That, that was the more. first take, everyone. I know, but um, take forty-one. Uh, We're gonna get this right, Alex. The two yeah, of us yeah, doing yeah. this together, absolutely. <laughs> but standing right above the bass drum, and bass drums are massive. Yeah, bass drums are huge. Yeah. You can feel the vibrations through your body, oh, really? and yeah. you're singing, you're singing "Wrath of God," "Day of Judgment," all nice. that stuff, and you really feel it. You, you need to do. sit down afterwards because no, just you do. So... It puts you on edge, and you're and you're screaming out these words. And it's really effective. And I just remembered that when I was watching this movie. Oh, really? And it was fantastic. And they use it also it. in, uh, obviously, Django. It uses a great, uh, uh, kind of the, ra- the, the wrath, uh, wrath of God and, and, and the reckoning of, you know, the Ku Klux Klan coming over the hill at that scene in Django. Oh, that's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> that's when they that's use it there. definitely but, played but for can laughs. You, but can you tell me why they use it in Quidditch World Cup? The it game, sounds cool. that famous game. It sounds what cool. What a game that was. Remember I we love had that, that game. But was it PlayStation 1 we yeah. had that game for? I... I <laughs> I, I, I was really how dare you <laughs> you could play Slytherin against Bulgaria you, you were like oh you can be the Slytherin team again <laughs> yeah well I, you know I, I played I played with my sisters but I wouldn't teach them how to do team combos because I wanted to batter them <laughs> I, can, I remember your sister saying this one. Yeah, they complained about, we don't know how to do team combos well, that's not my right. fault so, not well, my fault well, learn you know, learn you know <laughs> practice you're a piece of shit I am <laughs> look look my dad growing up he, he would you? never he would my never told no, no, me no. to do the he team play, combos we, we and it was my job to teach my sister to, and I'll no. do one day I won't teach my son to do a team combo this is where the generation stopped teaching the team combos in this PlayStation 1 game that came uh, out PlayStation 2 was it for such a small audience of people who don't really know what it's about the point I was going to make is I used to play chess with my dad and he never went easy on me 
It never went easy. That's because you're doing too many team combos with the Too many team the combos. <laughs> he's like, just throwing in the knife. Rook to h5. <laughs> and then the team combos come in and then the queen comes in with the chair like she does in the wizard chess. Absolutely batters the rook out of the way. Yeah. Oh, man. That's funny. <laughs> what were we talking about? Mad Max? <laughs> I can't fucking remember. Um, <laughs> so we did... Uh, yeah. The next piece of music that I want to go on to is a piece of music called Many Mothers. And that is the that's the piece of music where Furiosa breaks down in the desert and falls to her knees, and you really hear this, and it is swelling, and it is breathtaking scenery where she screams in the air because it, 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 it just it's an amazing scene, and it brings the human out in her. And you said before, you know, Max isn't really a, a he's not really a charismatic character, and I, and I I firmly believe she is the main character in this movie. Um, and they continue that same piece of music, but they drag it on a little bit more after the end scene. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into the because the, the 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 piece of music that's played during the the end chase scene where they realise that they've got so far away, but then they can get back because there's water in the safe the haven where they all started from, yeah. and it's unprotected, and they want to turn around and and, and go back. Yeah. And there's an incredible incredible car chase there. But at the scene where they think that Furiosa has died, and Max decides to give her some of his blood. And it plays um, many mothers, but it plays it's 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 a it's a kind of it's a less edited version of it, um, and it's called "My Name Is Max" because famously at the start he doesn't say his name to her, no. and just as she's well, he about, says very little very throughout little. the whole movie, doesn't, and he, doesn't he? He says, "Max, my name is Max," yeah. and the strings swell to this absolutely amazing piece, and it fades to black because you think she's going to die. Yeah, and uh, and spoiler alert, she she doesn't die because they absolutely should make a second one of this with Furiosa, and I would love to see more really? of a spin-off series of because she is just the best. I mean, yeah, you're right. I know I'm you're very say. much of the opinion that they should have this, you know, singular thrill ride yeah. movie, yeah, as just the like this experience. Because I'll be honest, I think I've seen one of the Mad Max, the original Mad Max movies mm-hmm. once. I, I don't care. No, I care about this movie because yeah. it's so good. They just, they, but yeah. like, I I don't care too much about the lore. I don't care too much about them doing it again. I just see this incredible technical. You don't care about the Thunderdome. Oh. The Thunderdome. Does, it's, isn't that Tina Turner? Isn't Tina Turner in there? I, yeah, she. Yeah, like, yeah I think it's she, somebody yeah. like that. It's, it's, it's just a, ridiculous. I, I, but I don't know. I I would watch if there is. But you're right. It was kind of it's kind of lightning in a bottle, and what would you recreate? Well, the, the writing, the script writing. I mean, it's a pretty basic story. There's not really many dialogue. Well, that's the point. Why would you? Why would you do it? I mean, the reason pe- you the reason you make sequels is because there's more of a story to tell. Or there's money. Or there, well, that's the cynic. That's the real and cynical reason why people make <laughs> make make sequels. But like for this movie, it, it's a. It's a very well-crafted, contained story that's really not much of a story at all because, as previously said, it's just it's an hour and a half car chase. Yeah, it's it's a technical it's a technical movie. Mm. It's a thrill ride. It's it's a roller coaster. Like you don't need a you don't need a sequel to a roller coaster. Mm. You just ride the roller coaster again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's the thing. This this movie has amazing rewatchability. I don't particularly want to watch a different one. I, for the feeling that you get watching this movie, I just want they to watch this, to this totally movie again. Sh- they would need to totally shift it. They could go in with a different angle to it. You know, you know if they if they made it more 
Yeah, I don't know. Because people would want to go yeah, into a how sequel. Would you do a sequel to that? People would want to go into a sequel, I think, to experience what they experienced in the first one because they remember that being so exciting. But mm. I suspect, and I would bet quite heavily, that coming out of it, they'd just be like, that was exactly the same as the first one, why bother making it? Okay. So I'm just jumping yeah. to that conclusion yeah. now. That's what I think. Yeah. Well then, by all accounts, Waterworlds, George Miller's Waterworlds, is on its Kevin way. Costner. It's the same thing, but yeah, oh, a remake is. of the Waterworld. George Jeez. Miller should have a shot at that one. Wow. Just do up the boats, do everything, yachts. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> That's Kevin Costner, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh. I don't know. What was it the streakers? Streakers, the, the jet skis on the horizon. I worked at a summer camp and um, God, the they made some to, stinkers the guys back used, then. Didn't the guys they? used to work at the summer camp used to say that every time the jet skis went past. And I, I used to pretend I knew what they meant and I had no idea what they meant. And someone just went, it's a, it's a reference from Waterworld. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh my God. <laughs> Who says it's a reference to Waterworld <laughs> expecting people to know that it's a reference well, to Waterworld? You, uh, you, re- you reference Star Wars. You whispered in my ear in such a subtle way. Uh, just so you know, that's actually a reference to Waterworld there. So I'm sorry. Like I'm sorry. Who are these people that <laughs> just, just reference Waterworld? Uh, you know, this norm- is the camp that we met at, you, Maddie and I. You, you you reference Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Harry Potter, you know big franchises Indiana that everyone's seen. Yeah, but Jones. I reckon I reckon not everyone would get Indiana Jones references. I hate snakes. What else? Well, why why does it have to be Junior? <laughs> junior. That's uh, you, Junior. Don't me. Junior. That's you, Junior. <laughs> they usually come through the door, Dad. <laughs> Oh god, we went through a long phase. Yeah, we went through a long phase of just quoting Sean Connery from that. I think movie. every time we greeted each other for about three years on the trot, we'd go, Junior, I'm my brother, I'm my brother, Junior, I'm my brother. All right, Junior. <laughs> I love How's that. How's it going, Junior? <laughs> anyway, that is my report, if, as it will, on Junkie XL's score for Mad Max Fury Road. Woo! Nice. Woo! Well, how many thumbs up did you give for that one? Yeah, oh, that. well, for the movie. Oh wait! And actually, I was thinking about this before we started this episode three. Are we thumbs upping the movie or the soundtrack? Um, What's this podcast about? Soundtrack, soundtrack. <laughs> soundtrack. Well, no, but yeah, yeah, because that's because no, I think the whole, the overall package, the overall yeah, package, yeah. because that's why I gave because the 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 music for Once Upon a Time in the West is two, but yeah, the overall that, package is yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, overall yeah. package. Overall package, I'm I'm two thumbs up on really? on Mad Max. Really, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it for what for what it is. Yes, because you can't compare it to any other movie. Uh huh. Because it 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 doesn't music wise, it doesn't score in the same way as I very much like traditionally like John Williams, any John Williams score, for example. Sure, sure. Like that kind of thing. It's something very very different, but. I'm not put off by that, and I enjoy the and I enjoy the experience. Totally, it, it it's appropriate for what it is. Definitely, and yeah, I completely agree. I, I give it two thumbs up too. I, I think this yeah. is an amazing movie, and I think it's it's over time it will get better. I I genuinely think this is a modern classic. Yeah, I genuinely think this is I a think modern it'll classic. Last. Yeah, I think it'll it last. will definitely stand the test of time. So, No Time to Die, the 25th James Bond film, released April 2020. Uh, Its first trailer dropped uh, for us. Now, I don't know when this episode will, uh, we will get around to getting this out there. I think we'll we'll probably try and drop a whole load of these in in order. We're a bit ahead of the curve. Um, But right now in our time, in this this day that we're recording this, it dropped, was it about a week ago? A couple of days ago? No, it wasn't. Uh, Just a a few days ago. A few days ago, yeah. What did you think of the trailer? It's 
gotten me back on board with James Bond. Because I'll be honest, I I dropped I dropped off after Spectre. You did? I did. I did not enjoy it that much. I, Casino Royale, brilliant. Amazing one of, movie. In fact, the and, my favourite Bond movie. Yeah, I, I think we'll Casino Royale. We'll maybe do that one. I think because we'll, I wanted to do the, the Bond films. We'll talk about the Bond films yeah. maybe by actor played Bond and do those yeah, segments as specials. I like but that. I honestly think Casino Royale gets its own special one because of how it's... So good. Anyway, we could talk about that. We, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Casino Royale, excellent. Quantum of Solace. Nah, wah, wah. Yeah, you didn't enjoy that one as much. I guess oh, I I've not seen it as many times. Dan, do you know the, it's just the like, thing? Oh, hello, Bond villain. What's your dastardly plan? I'm going to control all the water, the water in, yeah. the, in a small South American country. Well, I think, and I think it's more menacing if you know kind of the fallout for that. But what the happened? common audience member doesn't really know the fallout. I remember he gets a fire axe in his foot or something like that. Oh, it's just so stupid. The hotel, like, the hotel fight. Why would you have a villain that wants to control a small South American country's water well, I, supply over a nuclear weapon in a hollowed out volcano? I yeah, <laughs> I know. I need to I need to go back and really look into that and actually see if it was... Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's way more James Bond. And then you had... So, like, Spectre. Spectre. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. What am I thinking? Sp- Skyfall. Spy, Skyfall, of course. Skyfall. Yeah. Great. Yes. Dame Judy Dench. Yeah, that was great. her dameness. That was great. That was really good. And Adele. Javier Bardem. Sky- Skyfall theme as well, I thought was a yeah. great, great yeah. actor. Adele, Shirley fantastic. Bassey. Javier Bardem, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Judy Dench, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Great story. Mm-hmm. Um, great set pieces. Spectre. I don't think it was bad. It wasn't Quantum of Solace bad, mm-hmm. but it was... Definitely not my favorite, and I think it's because I felt Christoph Waltz was underutilized. Yeah, because they they brought back I, I Ernst Stavro Blofeld, mm. and previously, I, I reckon Christoph Waltz got that job because of Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Because um, Chris, sure. Christoph so. Waltz in the, the Tarantino in those two Tarantino movies is so electric. No, I think it was the Green Hornet. And, uh, right, okay. <laughs> His performance of the Green Hornet, which... Oh, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. But would you not agree? Uh, yeah, would you not agree so. that his performance in the Tarantino movies are so electric Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, 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 any any director, any writer, Sam Mendes did the right thing by getting him on board. And I think, yeah. they, I think they did everything they and could I to get him for that role. And I was so pumped for that casting when yep. it came out. But yep. when the movie came out, I was so disappointed. You're so disappointed by Shatterhand's performance. Yeah. Shatterhand. Sorry, that's that, that's. His, I've been reading the books again. So that's his code. Bullfell. They were going to call No Time to Die. Shat. Well, I think there was rumors it was Shatterhand. Oh right. Because that was his Spectre code name in uh, You Only Live Twice. Right. In okay. The book. So that's so, that's where they, that came from. So um, in this, so in this trailer for No Time to Die. Yeah. Stavro Blofeld's back. No, but it starts with the domestic in Italy. Two of them are having a nice drive. She says, come on, I said take the second left. He's like, ah, no, come on, you've got secrets. And then it just blows up in Bond's face. He's like, oh, hang I'm on. I'm sure that's what's And happens. then he jumps off a bridge because he tries to avoid her. We've all been there, blokes, am I right? You know what I mean? She, <laughs> and she's bloody telling you where to go left. And she goes, <laughs> Bond's like, fuck it, jumps off the bridge. And this whole trailer, we just watched this recently. We played a game of, that's not Daniel Craig. That's <laughs> not Daniel Craig. <laughs> We've even come to the conclusion, the scene where you see Felix Leiter in the bar, there's the back of Craig's head, and I'm convinced that's not even Craig yeah. at all. What I want them to do is to just own it. Just to just to own it. Not even try and pretend that it's Daniel Craig. I want Daniel Craig to go into the press junket tour when yep. the movie comes out, and for an interviewer to say, like, so how much of your own stunts did you do? And him to just sit cross-armed in a chair and go, 
Fucking this no, no, might no, no. be the, this might be the first time where the main actor is on screen less than fifty percent of the time, and it's his stunt doubles more. Yeah, I think they should make the, they should make the stunt doubles do the press junkets. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Daniel that's Craig shouldn't even be billed on it. Daniel Craig and Colin Brown. How's it going, Colin? I all right. I know. No worries. I no worries. did a lot of jump. Yeah, the scene the scene when he jumps from the bridge and he sort of grabs the cable and swings under. Yeah, and stuff like that there. And they even they even do a sort of small reference to it um, when Maria Rambo. She's. I'm really excited for her as the new double O. By the way, I'm calling Maria Rambo because obviously I saw her in Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um. Like, I, I completely. Uh, names just just completely. Uh, Lashana uh, Lynch. Yeah. I mate like she. I'm really excited to see her. Um. Obviously a double O. They they kind of they kind of just threw that in the trailer, didn't they? They were just yeah. like another double O. Yes, another double O. Yes, yeah. yes. Very good. Very good. Yeah. And then they said. Your other knee, which obviously is a kind of joke at Daniel Craig, because I think during Spectre he had a knee injury or something that they had to close the set for a while. Oh, really? And that's uh, a kind of that's a kind of like oh, very throw, good. That's a kind of throwaway line for, like, for that there. If they if they if they go a little bit silly with it, I want to be fine because I like the silly bonds. Yeah. But Daniel Craig ones generally have not been silly, so they've been. I don't think up we'll get silliness. I don't think we'll get silly. But um, I reckon we'll get John Cleese back again. <laughs> bit, a bit of silly, full on. Come on. You, you said. <laughs> I love that right. That so we're one. excited for Bond. Well, I was going to say my final prediction is yeah. I'm calling it now and I want it on record. 8th of December, he is Dr. No. I'm calling oh. it now. I'm calling it now. What, Remy Malik? Remy Malik is Dr. No. Dr. Oh. Julius No. And they're going to tie it together. I will bow down to you if. I mean, I've read it. Look, I've come to that conclusion not off, like, I have read some places somewhere. But actually, when you go back and you look at, and not necessarily the books, but the films, when you go back and look at the films, because you you can't, everyone's making things, you can't see his hands, you can't see, because he famously lost his hands in a relationship. I think they're going to go full circle with this, and actually, that's going to be. That's going to be Doctor No. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's that's what that's how they're going to cool. they're going to tie that all together there. Yeah. But speaking of trailers, there was another one that came out, right? Well, I yeah, the Black Black Widow trailer also dropped. Yes, this yes, week. yes. Um, surely this is going to depict Budapest. Well, yeah. And it surely sta- this it starts is with it. the opening of Budapest, and you see, you know, she, and and she's obviously meets another uh, Black Widow who was also trained yeah. in the Red Room, and because uh, that's been a bit, that's been like a big kind of like reference point that's never been fleshed out in the MCU so far it's been like you know yeah. her and Hawkeye always have this banter oh, about but, like, oh, what oh, happened in oh. Budapest yeah I think we will I mean and that obviously means we might get a surprise from um, from Hawkeye in this I completely forgot Clint Barton but what's his what's the actor called? I completely forgotten the name Jeremy Renner Jeremy, of course I was, I was like Mark McDougal yeah we really do our research <laughs> for this podcast don't we <laughs> Funny thing is, if I knew we weren't recording, I could have told you that in a, in a heartbeat there. But the pressure of recording, ladies and gentlemen. It's the pressure of recording. I'm like, what's his name? Fuck. Um, no, it, yeah, I, I think this trailer looks great. Obviously, we see David Harbour from, from Stranger Things, who's playing Red Guardian, who's kind of the anti-captain or the Soviet Captain America. Yeah, yeah. So I think they're going to do some sort of backstory where whilst maybe uh, Captain America was um, created by the Americans, the Soviets during the Cold War were worried maybe that 
that the Americans had another. So maybe not not that the Americans had nuclear weapons, yeah. but the Americans had another Captain America. And so they rather than they maybe tell the story or the MCU's version of the Cold yeah. War with respect to these sort of superhumans or these superheroes. Yeah. And I and I think from looking at the trailer, I think Red Guardian has sort of similar esque powers to you know, they make a joke that he's, he's gained weight and stuff, and so maybe this is him he's a little bit further on and stuff. But, he's, massive but he beard. also looks amazing. I, I, was, I was somewhere I was reading this how Russian prison tattoos are like a mark of, of real respect, and you yeah. see him tatted up when he's flexing his muscles. Yeah. Look good. Yeah, I think even though he's definitely played for comic laughs in this trailer, like he looks ridiculous, I think he's going to kick some serious ass. I think he's going to be maybe. good, and I, I think, I think, uh, also Florence Pugh, so I saw her in Midsommar, which is a, a horror movie that she's on yep. Midsommar, which has come out there, uh, Maddie and I watched. That's a really good, good performance she puts in there. And I think she's going to put a stellar performance in as sister. Do you think they're actually sisters or do you think they're just sisters of the guild or the sisters of the black? No, I'm going to say sisters. Well, you think they're actually no, sisters? No, I'm going to say sisters. And do you think I mean, Florence... it could be wrong. I don't think it matters. So obviously Black Widow is dead in the in the in the end in end game and so yeah. but this is a kind of played between I think it's between I was reading somewhere um it's kind of between Civil War and Infinity War. Yeah. And I think that that's probably where this is going to be set. Oh, I was thinking pre-Iron Man too. Oh, I was thinking. I was thinking pre. I think they're going to jump around quite a lot with this. One. Oh, okay. I think there's going to be a lot of cuts in and out. Well, because I've read somewhere that it's going to be Civil War, Infinity War, kind of intersected oh, okay. in there. But then obviously, I mean, I've only seen the trailer place. once, so like people might be screaming at me, going, "Well, no, yes, yeah, it's quite clearly they, sent then." But oh, they re- yeah. no, but actually, maybe they're screaming at me because they referenced Budapest before uh, Civil War. They reference it in Avengers. Yeah. So do you know what that could be? So you're probably. Probably closer to the mark on that one, actually, but well, I'm not. I'm not too sure. I think we'll find out. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely there. But I'm really excited, yeah. and I think Florence Pugh. Whilst what I was going to say was, although uh, Joe is now out as speaking, I'm sure she's 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 coming up with a lot of the Disney Plus stuff. She's doing the What Ifs yeah. universe, and she's definitely doing a, a lot of um, parts that we could talk about that at some point. Oh, um, but the she, uh, I think Florence Pugh is going to take up the mantle of the Black Widow going forward in the MCU, and I think we expect to see a lot of her. So get used to her on the screen because I think we're gonna, oh, she's gonna okay. basically be that new character that they've interesting. All, they've well, I mean, there. you know, I'm invested in the MCU movies. I they, they, far too much. They they have they they you have famous, my money. You famously said, "Yeah, Endgame. That's a jumping off thing. I'll uh, I think I'll call it a day. Endgame." I think, then, then, I think I needed to just say it out. I think I needed to just say it and out then loud. And straight in the cinemas for uh, Far From Home. Like, I wonder what Spider-Man's up to when he's got ya. I wonder what he's going to do. <laughs> Go and right. see some monsters and shit. Do you feel like we're spiralling off here? Yeah. I, I, feel, I, feel, I, feel like, I feel like we need to end this Wrap thing. it all up there. Cool. Is that the show then, isn't it? I think so, yeah. That's the show this week. Awesome. Well, I, that, that was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed yeah, watching I uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. I, it's nice, as I said, I think it's nice to challenge yourself and push yourself out there. But it's also important to push back and stuff. And maybe if... I, I felt that it was art for what it was, but yeah, I I, I wouldn't say it was yeah. my favourite movie. And Fury Road... And similarly like, with Mad Max, it's its its own thing. Yeah. It's got something to say and I love it for it. Yep. Beautiful.
Cool. cool. Um, See you next time. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, make sure that you uh, hit the subscribe button at the top. We would love some five-star reviews. It's uh, it's pretty difficult to get podcasts uh, off the ground, um, as, as, I'm, as I'm sure you can imagine. Maybe you can't imagine it. Or somebody just had to imagine this there. But giving us giving us these these reviews really helps. Hitting the subscribe. Um, that'll uh, yeah, that that'll start to, to to give a bit of interest, and then we can start talking more shit into your ear next time. Okay, guys, that's the show. We'll see you soon. Bye. Say goodbye. All right. Ta-ta. Bye.